Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast to be named later. This is episode 33, and obviously I am your co-host, your normal co-host, Stephen Tolbert. Normally in this spot hosting the show is, of course, Chris Willis. He is out of pocket tonight. He's got something going on tonight. And so we went to the bench and we grabbed somebody that probably doesn't need any introduction on this podcast feed, certainly, but we grabbed Mr. Scott Coleman. Scott, how are we doing tonight, buddy? Hey, Steven. I'm great. Good to be pinch hitting on the uh, podcast we name later, making my debut. Let's hope for a, a good rookie debut, right? Get off on the right foot. Uh, but yeah, no, happy to be here. And it's crazy, man. We got two weeks left until opening day. It feels like spring training is just flying by. Yeah. Normally with the WBC, you know, it drags on, or at least it feels like it drags on. But this year, I don't know why, but it feels like it's flying by. Like we, it, Like the 30th will be here. And maybe the, you know, having the NCAA tournament certainly helps, but I don't know. It, it really has felt like it's flown by this year. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a good thing, right? Yeah. No, spring training by default is, is long, right? Especially, I think the pitchers need the time, especially. But uh, for a fan perspective, it's not always the best thing when it can run for six or seven weeks. But yeah, we'll be playing real games that matter here before we know it. So Chris and I talked about what we were going to discuss um, a couple of times during the week but quite honestly all of that got turned on its head yesterday afternoon i believe it was i believe it was around 5 30 yesterday afternoon when the braves announced that they were sending um ian anderson and bryce elder to triple a camp um cutting the the roster down to 50 they then made an additional move about an hour later and they ended up cutting i think another eight players which was weird timing we'll get into that in a minute but so that obviously turned, you know, that was a surprise to everybody. I don't know if, uh, I don't know if it's a bombshell, but it, I think it was certainly unexpected. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So first and foremost, Scott, I just want your reaction. Nobody has talked about this particular thing on this podcast feed yet. So when you saw the news drop uh, late yesterday afternoon, what was your reaction? Yeah, definitely a surprise. Uh, just a couple of days ago on the Sunday edition, Brad and I talked about the rotation at length. And if you missed that episode, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. The first maybe 40 of the 45 minutes of rotation discussion are all still valid. Uh, but you know, Brad and I were in agreement that we felt that even though Elder and Anderson were not having great springs, that the Braves were going to ultimately just roll with one of them to open up the season. 
And not that the guy who wins the fifth starter job on March 30th is necessarily going to be in the rotation for the next six and a half months, but um, it is nonetheless, it was a competition. It was one of the few spots up for grabs. So for the Braves to option, both of those guys to AAA with, you know, more than two weeks to go until opening day, uh, it, it was pretty eye-opening. Um, I'm, you know, I, I, we're going to get into now who seems likelier than not for the fifth spot, but, you know, if they're basing it on who has earned that position this spring, regardless of their time in the majors, their history, whatever it may be, um, there are other guys on this roster who have been more deserving than elder than elder and Anderson. Um, but regardless, a, a real surprise, I thought. Yeah. I was not expecting that. Even if that decision ultimately got made before opening day, I was not expecting both Anderson and Elder to be out of camp with still like two full weeks left in spring training. That w- I think the timing of it maybe surprised me more than the actual decision. You know, if we'd gotten to a day before opening day and they decided, you know, what Dylan, uh, yeah, Dylan Dodd or, or Jared Schuster, who we'll talk about here in a minute, you know, those guys have just looked better and, and we'll just send these guys down to Gwinnett for a couple of weeks and just let them work. That, that would have been one thing, but to let them go, you know, and I think you can still use them. I think they can still call them back up in camp if they want to, but you know, to cut them with two weeks to go, that was the part that surprised me. And I, I honestly think it came down to, to at least for Ian and he's probably the main guy that I really thought probably had the best chance of winning the fifth starter job. I really think it just comes down to command. I don't know how you feel, Scott, but I, I, you know, the command stuff has just been the main problem for Ian for a while. Really, you can try to trace it all the way back to when they banned the the sticky stuff not too long ago, or I think it was 2021 that they banned it actually. But, you know, his his command has never been great. But really, ever since they banned that stuff, his command has gotten just progressively worse. And I think he had, I think he had eight walks and in 11 innings or something like that this spring. And you know, you and I have both heard Brian Snicker talk about before about if you can't throw strikes, you're not going to be up here. Like you, at the very least, you have to throw strikes. You know, if you get hit around, that's one thing. But you know, if you're not throwing strikes, if you're constantly walking guys or, or constantly being behind two o three one, then you're never going to be successful. And you're not going to be successful if you have amazing stuff. And Ian doesn't even have amazing stuff. I mean, it's pretty average stuff to begin with. So. Yep. Um, the command stuff is, is I think what did it for both of them. I think Brian kind of got sick of watching all the walks and, um, yeah, I think that's all she wrote, but out of, you know, the, the, the opportunity they lost is an opportunity that someone else gets. And that means Dylan Dodd, Jared Schuster now get an opportunity to be the fifth starter. And both guys have looked really good this spring. Both guys have impressed, um, both guys have thrown strikes, which I think is probably what set them apart from the other two guys. But what have you seen out of Dylan Dodd and Jared Schuster this spring? Yeah, I think you, you know, you nailed it. It's the the ability to throw strikes. And I think you you talked about Anderson and the sticky stuff crackdown, which is admittedly something I really hadn't put two and two together on. Um, and, and also he had the shoulder problem in the middle of 2021. Right. What's funny looking back. That was the same weekend that Ronald Acuna blew his knee out. And naturally, everyone's going to remember that weekend is the one where the team lost Acuna. But not even 48 hours later, Anderson left in like the third inning of his start because his velocity was down and it was revealed that he had the shoulder problem. 
Um, obviously, he came back that year. He had some heroics in the in the World Series run. And he, you know, he was okay at times last year, although I think by the middle of the year, things had just fallen apart. Uh, but since those two items occurred in 2021, he just hasn't been the same guy. And I think with Elder, we know that he has limitations. He does not have great secondary offerings. You know, he's about as boring of a fifth starter as you can probably have. And if the Braves feel that Schuster or Dodd can be an upgrade, uh, we've seen time and time again, especially with Alex Anthopoulos, that he is not afraid to push in the chips and really call on those guys in the minor leagues if they feel internally like they're ready for the majors. And we saw it a lot last year, famously with Harris and Strider and and Von Grissom. Um, And now it it looks like, I suppose they could go to an outside uh, pitcher and, you know, make a trade or something like that, though it doesn't seem super likely. Uh, But it does feel like that they're going to roll with Dodd or Schuster. Um, And I would just say, and, and Brad and I kind of said the same thing on the podcast last weekend, that... You know, we know your teams are going to need more than five guys to cover 162 games. Uh, I think it was last year the Braves had 11 different pitchers start games throughout the year. Uh, If you ask me, I would bet of these four, I think at least three of them are going to make starts at some point in Atlanta this year. And hey, if that means that Schuster and or Dodd take the job and run away with it, all the better. Yep. And like you said, I mean, I think, I think most teams probably use eight or nine, maybe 10 starters throughout the year. I mean, it's just so rare. It basically never happens that you you pitch five guys from April to October. It just doesn't happen. So Ian Anderson's ability to, to impact this team is not over because he got sent down in, you know, middle of March. I mean, he he's going to get a chance. He's going to get a chance to pitch at Gwinnett. Uh, same with Bryce Elder. They'll both get a chance to pitch at Gwinnett if there's an injury. Or somebody's not pitching well, you know, just because they give Dylan Dodd the job or or Jared Schuster the job doesn't mean they're going to keep it. And so, yeah, this is not this is by no means the end for um, for Ian Anderson. Um, But it is it is surprising because I think we all had Ian as probably especially after Soroka came to camp, you know, hurt and Allard got hurt. And, you know, even with Kyle Wright, his his shoulder and and we did get some positive news on Kyle Wright that he's, he's pitching. He feels great. It looks like he's still going to possibly be ready for that second series. And the schedule part is important because the Braves, while they do have an off day immediately after opening day, like, like every year after that, I think they play 12 straight games. So, you know, it's not a situation where, you know, sometimes you go into a year and you don't need a fifth starter for a couple weeks or three weeks. That is not the case for the Braves. They will need a fifth and, as our, our Twitter list, Ivan, tells us multiple times, you know, they might even want a six starter, um, you know, in the first couple of weeks. So all, all of this depth is going to matter. I mean, they're going to need these guys. They're going to need Schuster. They're going to need Dodd. They, I mean, they might need Anderson in April. I mean, we don't know. We don't know how Kyle Wright's going to pitch. We don't know. You know, Charlie Morton's still almost 40 years old. Um, so there's going to be plenty of opportunities for these guys to – contribute to the team, even if it's not immediately after opening day. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll say this too, you just mentioned four guys at the top of the rotation, assuming health. And, you know, you could say, assuming someone is healthy for every single pitcher in baseball, just because of the nature of the position. Uh, But assuming those four are healthy and doing what we expect them to do, 
you know, the Braves don't need Schuster or Dodd or Elder or Anderson to go out there and be a Cy Young candidate, right? Like if they go out there and work five or six innings most nights, keep the team in the game. And hey, I mean, if they want to have a big time breakout year, all the better. But similarly to you know, even Vaughn Grissom at shortstop, right? We know how good the top seven in the lineup is going to be. The Braves aren't putting pressure on Grissom to be this all-star right out of the gate. They just don't need him. They need him to be a steady force at shortstop and hit the ball a little bit. I think it's a similar boat for whoever is the fifth starter. You just want him to take the ball, throw strikes, not give out too many free passes. I absolutely agree. I think that's probably the driving force behind uh, Anderson in particular being sent down. Throw strikes and, and, you know, eat innings. No one no one likes it when the bullpen has to automatically cover six or seven innings every time the ball gets, uh, you know, the guy gets the ball on the mound that night. Yeah, especially with limited off days, really. So that's that's going to be the main story probably from now. You know, the shortstop job, which we'll get to a little bit later, but that, that seemed like it got wrapped up pretty early. So, you know, fifth starter, um, you know, Kyle Wright stuff, that's that's going to be pretty much the main story going throughout the rest of spring. And, um, yeah, we'll see where it goes. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, switching gears here. There's other storylines still going on in camp. Obviously, the bullpen is a big one that people have been talking about, and and there's been some concern. You know, the bullpen didn't look great the other day. I think, <laughs> I think pretty much everybody that's supposed to be pitching in the Braves bullpen uh, had a rough day uh, all at once. Um, it was it was kind of them to all do it at once, so nobody was the big story. But Kirby Yates has kind of had a, an up and down spring. Joe Jimenez has had an up and down spring. What are your thoughts on the bullpen early on, Scott? Are you worried, or is this just is this just um, spring training noise to to not be concerned yeah. at all? Uh, I hope it's just spring training noise. If we get into the the games that matter and the bullpen's really struggling, then then sure, you know, you can have some concern. But at this point in the spring, the pitchers in particular have been there for almost a full month. I'm sure they're even getting a little tired of of Florida at this point, right? Like I'm. I'm guessing guys are starting to really itch and want to head north for the real games. Um, so sure, I mean, you'd like to see these guys clean up a few things. Maybe these next two weeks before opening day, they get out there and have some some better uh, outcomes, if you will. But ultimately, as long as the velocity looks good and the stuff is coming along like it should, uh, we know just how much talent and depth is in this bullpen um, and, you know, at the same time, too, we've, we've, I think, done a good job on this podcast network of just highlighting how Jekyll and Hyde relievers can be from year to year. And inevitably, one of these guys who we're counting on probably won't have as good of a year as we're hoping for. Uh, but then without fail, somebody else, you, you know, your, your Jackson Stevens from last year will step up from seemingly out of nowhere and, and help fill the void. So sure, it'd be nice to see these guys clean up a few things and and get ready to go before, uh, what is it, March 29th for opening day. Um, but it it's I, I think it's just noise, like you said. Yeah, it is tough because you tell yourself 
you know, spring stats don't matter. And for guys like Iglesias and Minter and Jimenez and McHugh, you know, they really don't matter. I mean, they're, those guys are, are – all they're doing is just getting in work, building up arm strength. Whatever happens after they release the pitch, I'm not even sure they care about that much. Um, and, you know, when you're talking about veteran guys that have gone through however many major league seasons, I, I really don't think they care that much about what happens on, you know, March 14th. But at the same time, you know – if everyone is struggling and, you know, Kirby Yates is an example, we'll talk about him for a minute, but, you know, Kirby Yates has pretty much struggled every outing he's been in. Um, he didn't look great at times last year. He's obviously coming off the the serious arm injury where, you know, it's, it's just uncertainty all the way around, even more uncertainty than maybe is normal for a bullpen or at least a specific bullpen arm. Are you worried about Kirby? Are you worried about Kirby Yates is probably one way to ask it. Another way to ask it is, do you see a scenario because I've talked about this on Twitter. I know Brad's talked about it on Twitter. I think you've talked about it on Twitter too. But do you see a scenario where the Braves would not put him on the opening day roster in favor for some other guys, even if it was maybe just a you know uh, an IL trip to try to get him some more time in spring? Or do you see a scenario where he's not on the opening day roster? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, it's a bummer because I really am rooting for Kirby Yates. Uh, I've heard he's just a really good dude, nice guy to be around, the kind of, of guy you want in your clubhouse and in the bullpen. And he, of course, is coming back from the major surgery, and he's in his mid-30s, so he's not a young guy at this point by any means. But, um, you know, I think it, it has not been pretty. Last summer was not pretty with Yates. I don't even think he was on the NLDS rosters is, you know, a reflection of how he was pitching. And then this spring, it has not been super encouraging. He has had a couple of strikeouts, which I guess is a good sign. Uh, and he is a veteran, so maybe he's not exactly out there trying to, uh, you know, work a perfect inning every time. He's more likely just focusing on his stuff and trying to work on all of his pitches. Uh, but the results have not been good. And at a certain point, it doesn't matter what your contract situation is. Uh, you have to make a decision that's going to benefit the team. Um, to answer your question, and, and I'm curious to see where you lean on this, I would be very, very surprised if he is not on the opening day roster because of the contract. Um, for me, it's probably like Memorial Day. If it's Memorial Day and it's still just not happening, then maybe you shake hands and say thank you for your time and, and let him go. Um, but clearly the front office has tried to get this guy multiple times now over the years. It would be, I don't know, man, even if he's not going to be like a lights out guy, it's, I feel like it's a dangerous game if you start letting go of bullpen depth at the end of March. Yeah. And Alex has shown that he's going to hold on to depth as long as humanly possible. I mean, sometimes maybe even too long, but he, you know, he, he, he's terrified of not having depth. And so the only if I'm honest, the only scenario I see where he's not on the opening day roster is if if he's on the IL, if they do some sort of maybe not even phantom IL, maybe there's something really is bothering him and he's not able to release the ball the way he wants. But I could see a scenario where they keep him back for a couple of weeks and try to get him, you know, ramped up fully. Um, but in terms of releasing him, I don't. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there's any way they would do that. It's kind of like the Eddie Rosario you know, conversation, you know, they're going to give him a couple of months at least to show that he, he can't pitch anymore. And um, I, I don't see the only way I think he's not on the opening day roster is if he's on the IL. I don't, I don't see any way they just eat $6 million because of 
you know, some spring training stats, but yeah. it will be interesting because, and I want to, I want to know if you've, because I, I have nine names. Well, really 10 names. Let's say 10 names. I have 10 names written here. And I think six of them are, as long as they're not on the IL, I think they're health or I think they're locks. And the six names I have are Iglesias, Minter, Jimenez, McHugh, Yates, and Litke. Those are the six names that I have for current locks of the bullpen, as long as they're not on the IL. Would you agree with those six? Yeah, I think so. I, okay. I mean, all of them are veterans, right? Like they, I don't believe any of those guys have options either. So yeah, no. I think I would sure think those six are about, I mean, a couple of them are automatic locks no matter what happens. And obviously they traded for, uh, for Lutke and, and we, we talked about Yates's contract. So yeah, I would agree. Okay. So that leaves, depending on how many relievers they carry. Now there is a scenario where the Braves only carry four starting pitchers immediately out of the gate and they can carry nine relievers. So we'll just admit that that scenario is out there, but just assuming that they carry eight relievers, that would leave two guys or three guys for two spots. And the three guys are um, Nick Anderson, Jesse Chavez and Dylan Lee. So if you, if you're Alex Anthopoulos, Scott Coleman, who are the three, who are the two that you're carrying and who's the one that you're dropping? Boy, you know, it's, it's a good question. I have a hard time thinking even though he has minor league options, Dylan Lee was so good last year. I just yeah. can't imagine them having him start the year in the minors. You know, maybe if they really feel strongly about Anderson and Chavez, then they could send Lee down for, you know, a couple of weeks until an injury happens or, or whatever. Um, I just have a feeling he's going to be on the opening day roster. Um, you know, Anderson is interesting because, you know, we know before the injury, he was really good and he's had a couple of okay moments this spring. Um, though what he's, you know, he really hasn't pitched in the majors in two years, which is, you know, probably, uh, you know, working against him a little bit. And we know the Braves very, very much value what Jesse Chavez brings. Uh, so if I had to guess, I, I mean, again, I wouldn't be shocked if they have Lee in the minors just because he has the option. But ultimately, I'll say that that Jesse Chavez is in the role of the long man as kind of that final bullpen spot, and then um, and then they have Dylan Lee there. Just again, he's he's shown how effective he is from the left side. Yep, that's that's what I wrote down too. I I think, and Alex has talked about this about they don't really consider Mentor a lefty because he's high leverage and he's going to be used you know, in the eighth inning, no matter what. And so if you don't really consider him one of your left-handers, then if you don't carry Lee, then your only left-hander is, you know, is Litke. And so I, 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 I have a hard time believing that Dylan Lee is not going to be on the roster. Even if you remove how good he was last year, just from purely counting left-handed pitchers. Yeah. Right. I, I think he, I think he's going to, yeah, exactly. I think he's going to be on there just because he's a left-hander. And the fact that he was awesome last year is just a bonus. Um, and then I agree. I think Chavez is the guy. I think they, they, Snit loves his veterans, man. And Chavez is reportedly the kind of the leader of that group. And Anderson's got options. And, and, you know, we've talked about this before, but when you have options, that's often the worst thing you can have when you're trying to make a team. Huh. Yeah. So. Yeah. Even Brian Snitker said, like, the worst situation to be in as a player is when you have options. Yeah. I saw that. those things. Can, I mean, he's he publicly said it to a bunch of reporters just yep. a couple of days ago. Um, so it's, you know, it's no great secret among the players and the coaching staff. Um, and then for Anderson, again, I know, you know, Braves fans aren't super familiar with him because they haven't really seen him pitch, 
But I think he's probably in a similar boat to Mike Soroka, who hasn't pitched in multiple years, where starting him in Gwinnett is probably the best for him anyway. Yeah. And let him go out there and pitch every two or three days against, you know, the, the triple team, uh, triple A team of the night versus throwing him out there against the New York Mets in, in City Field, right? Like, I think for his development, that may be uh, the best outcome and, and best process. And then hopefully, um, you know, just like the starting pitchers, it is an absolute guarantee that the Braves are going to dip into that uh, relief corp at some time. Uh, you know, we mentioned Jackson Stevens as well. He's going to be involved. And then they have a handful of other guys who could find themselves getting their name called on the uh, on the Gwinnett shuttle, I think, is what it's been called. Because uh, you know you're going to need a whole bunch of dudes throughout the year. Yep. I agree with all that. So we'll see what the bullpen does. The Braves should have one of the best bullpens in baseball. Of course, you know, bullpens make no sense most of the time. So we'll see what actually happens. But uh, just, just on paper, which is all we can gauge on right now, then the Braves should be pretty strong in the relief core. So we'll see. All right, Scott. So we're going to do these bench guys and then we'll get out of here. Um, so you've seen it. I've seen it. Everyone's seen that all of these left fielders, all these outfielders that the Braves have brought in, they're pretty much all having really strong springs. Even Luplo, who, who just got in there a few days ago after recovering from the oblique has had a few games where he's gotten hits. He's looked good. I mean, hell, even Marcelo Zuna got like three hits in the last two. Like everyone is hitting, it seems like, you know, if you're an outfielder for the Braves. And the way the roster is set up, you know, if you, you know, you have to take a backup catcher, you have to take a backup infielder, you have to take a DH, which is almost certainly going to be Ozuna. So that really only leaves two spots for, you know, uh, Jordan Luplo, Eli White, Kevin Pillar, Sam Hilliard. Uh, Adrianza has had a really good spring. You know, you have all these guys. So again, Scott Coleman, I'm going to put you in the GM chair. If, oh boy. if you're, if it's your call and this is probably mm-hmm. harder than the bullpen, honestly, what do you, which yeah. two guys are you keeping and who are you sending to Gwinnett? Yeah, it's a good question. And you're absolutely right that none of these guys are making it easy, right? Like there's that great office episode where Michael has to fire somebody and he wants just like someone to volunteer themselves to get fired. <laughs> Because you know I'm talking about, and he's he's really struggling with it, and I feel like that's going to be Brian Snitker. Because that's such a good pull, man. That's such a good pull. A whole bunch of these dudes deserve to be right. Like, <laughs> like I had never heard of Eli White before, but he's hitting 435 with a 1500 OPS through the first month of the spring. And you know, Kevin Pillar is a dude who, even though he's a little bit older has you know he he's done it before at the major league level and was having a really good year last year uh between in triple a with the dodgers before he got hurt um if i had to guess i would i would lean towards pilar you just said that snitker loves his veterans i, I would imagine that pilar has a leg up in that regard um and then you know man for that final spot i assume they're going to carry five outfielders um you know, I think Eli White for sure has a minor league option. Um, you know, I, maybe it's Sam Hilliard who is out of options. He's, you know, he's a guy who, you know, really all of these guys other than Pilar have never had sustained success at the major league level. Um, you know, Luplo has has had a flash or two. So I, I guess to answer your question, I would say it's going to be Pilar and Luplo, uh, but I have no real confidence on that. And just for the housekeeping of it, so and I tweeted this out earlier because people do get confused with it. But so the way it works is 
Sam Hilliard does not have options, so he cannot be optioned without being put on waivers. So if you know if you put him on waivers, odds are you're going to lose him. So that's the math with him. Um, like you said, Eli White has options. He can be optioned to Gwinnett. Uh, Jordan Luplo, even though he signed a major league deal, does have options. He can be uh, optioned to Gwinnett. Um, Kevin Plard doesn't have options, but he signed a minor league deal. So he can be optioned to Gwinnett out of spring training as long as he doesn't have one of those like veteran opt-out clauses that a lot of veterans put in their minor league deals. You know, if they don't get called up by a certain point, then they can opt out. As long as he doesn't have one of those, and I haven't seen it reported that he does, then he can be optioned um, once spring training is over. But if Pilar ever got called back up to the uh, majors, he could not be then optioned again. So you kind of only get one bite at the apple of that. And then um, Adrianza signed a minor league deal. So same thing, he can be optioned. So, you know, the short version, and I think you're probably dead on, is that Hilliard's probably going to make the team because he doesn't have options. And this is the exact opposite of, you know, the the Dylan Lee, uh, Nick Anderson, Eli White problem is, and like you said, Snit said this to a bunch of reporters, once you don't have options, then you force teams' hands. And, I, you know, Hilliard's had a good enough spring where I think they'll carry him. And then I think it comes down to Pilar and Luplo, probably for that right-handed spot. You want a right-handed, somebody who can platoon, you know, who can give Eddie a day off against a tough lefty, uh, even maybe give Michael Harris a day off against a tough lefty, you know. Yeah, uh, Pilar, that's a good, good point. Pilar and Eli White could both play center, and Sam Hilliard could play center too, but he's left-handed, so it doesn't work quite as well. If you want to hand, if you want to handicap your, you know, your left-handed hitter, you you want to usually want a right-handed guy to do it. So um, I think Pilar and Eli White are probably the guys who um, make the. They can both play center. Um, I think Luplo. I don't know if Luplo can play center. I I don't think he's ever played center. He's considered a good defensive outfielder, but I think mostly because of his arm. So I think I think you're right. I think Pilar's got the inside track. But um, and, and let me ask you this, Stephen. Do you think that Ozuna has done enough to at least make the opening day roster? I don't think he had to do anything to make the opening day roster is probably the honest. If I had to give you an honest answer, I think they were going to carry. They've never come out and said this, but they've hinted at it. I think Terry McWork has a rule about dead money on the books that we just don't know about. And he's not going to let them cut $35 million just into dead money. And Again, Alex would never come out and say that because that's that that doesn't do him any favors. But I, I don't think they I don't I don't think they would have cut him regardless of the regardless of the spring that he had. But you know he's got like three doubles in the last four days or something like yeah. that. So I think he's up to like a, almost an eight hundred OPS. So yeah, I, he it's certainly helped this case. It certainly helped the Braves because now they can say well you know, see, he does have some life left in him. Like we, we need to give him a shot, but I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe you disagree, but I, I don't really know if there was a a scenario where he's not on the opening, to, unless he just looked completely lost and just, yeah, or he yeah. got in trouble again. I, I really don't think there was a scenario where he wasn't going to be on it. Yeah. I, I think that's right on. And I would agree with you. Yeah. I mean, if he was hitting a, you know, Oh, 50 on the spring and, you know, 30 pounds out of shape. And like you said, or, you know, God forbid gets in trouble with the law again, then, you know, then your decision's probably a little bit easier. Um, Yeah, I I would agree. And it does seem like we're talking about the outfield that Eddie Rosario is having a a pretty nice spring between camp and then the WBC. He had a home run a couple nights ago. 
Um, almost had another home run tonight as we're recording. So, I, you know, I, again, I don't think anyone can realistically expect Eddie to come back and be Babe Ruth like he was for a couple of weeks during the World Series run. Um, but if if Eddie can give the team anything, even average production in left field and catch the balls that are hit his way, uh, you know, I, I think that's all the team is really hoping for, just considering how much of a black hole it was a year ago. Yeah, and I like uh, one thing I do like, and Alex has talked about this at the beginning of spring, is that the options they went with were guys that, if nothing else, like if Eddie's not hitting, if nothing else, they have guys that are going to play defense, right? Like yeah. they have guys that are going to catch the ball. So, you know, if Eddie's not hitting, then you can put Eli White or Kevin Plor in left. And if nothing else, they can bat ninth and they're going to catch the ball. And if you have an outfield of, you know, a healthy Acuna, Michael Harris and, you know, Pilar, Eli White, then at least you're going to catch the ball, right? You're not going to have the situation you had last year where not only were the Braves outfitters not hitting, but they, they couldn't catch anything either. And so you were paying for it on both ends. So I do, I do appreciate that Alex set the floor at a certain level where it's not going to go below this, right? At the very least, we're going to catch the ball. And I, I do think that will help them, even if, you know, um, Rosario doesn't hit. Um, they have options that that at least they can play defense. Yeah, absolutely. And and as we said, kind of with with Von Grissom, who I think we're going to talk about here in a second. You know, again, same deal. Don't need Eddie to go out and have a thousand OPS or win a Gold Glove. But just be steady out there, right? Steady Eddie. That that's all they really need. The rest of the roster is really really good. Um, but that is a good point that you brought up. That almost all of these guys who they brought in are anywhere from above average to really good defenders. And regardless of what direction they go, and this is another thing I like, is that they're going to have quality depth at AAA, right? They're going to have guys that can, I mean, if you have Adrianza and, you know, Luplo and Eli White and Braden Shoemake and Echeverria and, you know, Forrest Wall look good, like, I think the Braves might have more. I think the Braves might have better bench depth. I mean, you and I both remember when they went into a, a playoff series with like Ryan Flaherty and Rene Rivera, oh, like like the dark, dark, dark times of the bench. And <laughs> I, I think I think they might actually have as much, you know, decent bench depth right now than maybe they've had in all of the Anthopolis era. Yeah. No, you're right. Uh, yeah, I think that was the 2018 yeah. NLDS where the team was just hanging on by a thread to get there. And it was that series where literally, you're right, the Braves had like career minor leaguers on their bench for the NLDS. And the Dodgers had like Manny Machado and Max <laughs> Muncy platooning. Chris Taylor and yeah, yeah Jock Peterson. It's like, brutal. yeah, that, I mean, baseball is a funny game, but I, I'm not, I wasn't feeling too great, even as great as that 2018 run ended up being, you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, bench depth is very important and not that there's a Max Muncie coming off this bench, but uh, you're right. And again, injuries are going to happen. Things just aren't going to work out. Guys are going to struggle and it's a real benefit to have some, at least kind of the 4A kind of player waiting in the wings at AAA. Just so you know, anytime I talk about a player getting cut from spring training, I'm not going to say cut. I'm just going to say they get devoned, right? They just get, they get (laughs) fired (laughs) <laughs> they get fired like Devin got at on the Halloween episode of The Office. And that's just gonna it. be that's gonna be what we call it. All right. I so wonder, let's talk I wonder what Devin is up to these days. 
Bro, he got cut early. I mean, I forgot he was even on this show until you go yeah. back and watch that episode. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Devin, if, if people haven't watched The Office, the last like couple minutes of this Office talk is going to be completely lost on them. But go yeah. back and watch. Was it season two of season, Halloween? Season two, like episode like four or five or something like that. Great show. Yeah, great show. All right. So let's talk about shortstop and then we'll get out of here. So Vaughn, I think this was like the quickest shortstop battle in history i think vaughn won this job like the first week of spring training it seemed i mean i don't, I can't even tell you the last time arcia played shortstop shoemaker has been playing shortstop more than arcia it seems like but i am i i mean i'm I, am i crazy like this this competition is over and, and has been for a while like it's going to be vaughn grissom at short yeah it is and other than i think one um botched double play attempt and one kind of base running snafu you know, Vaughn's done everything that we could have hoped for this spring. And I like the way you said it. It's the shortest battle of all time. I mean, there, there was probably a world where Vaughn made four or five errors in the first couple of weeks and we're like banging our heads against the wall because all of a sudden you're just hoping that Orlando Arcia can do something for you. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think it's I think it's just about over. And, and Braden Shoemake kind of out of nowhere, talk about a prospect who I had just kind of written off in the back of my mind this was like Braden Shoemake week at, at Brave Spring Training Camp because everybody was talking him up. Yeah, and, you know, there are people kind of close to the Braves who, who think he's the best glove of the bunch. Now, there's debate on that. I know our minor league guys are probably not as high on his glove as maybe some of the national guys that, you know, I think Pipeline ended up putting like a 60 or something on his glove, which is, I mean, you and I don't know. Neither you and I watch the prospects much, but. Um, there are people in the Braves that do regard his glove very highly. Now, I don't think it's anywhere close to being ready to to be a major leaguer. He's got a hit in AAA, and he's never done that. But, you know, if you can pick it at short, that's one of those positions where the glove matters probably more than anything else. So, you know, if you can, if you can pick it, then it, you've at least got a chance to make a club, you know, at the very least as a utility guy. But, yeah, I, this 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 – competition I don't, i'm not even sure if it was a com- I, don't, I don't even know if you can call it a competition i think this was over week one and you know grissom's going to be the starting shortstop he'll get plenty of time to play it i don't think they're going to pull the plug early on this i think they're going to let him make some mistakes yeah. rc is a good backup i mean they've got hetcheveria in triple a they'll have shoemaker in triple a i mean they've got adrianza can play short in a pinch so i mean they've got good depth but i think this is grissom's job yeah, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Now, last year, he provided such a spark, especially in the dog days of August when Vaughn came up. I mean, I think everyone was kind of dragging, even when the team was playing so well. It's just such a long year, and he came up and provided an awesome boost for a couple weeks. And then, you know, the league adjusted to him, and I can only imagine what it's like to come up and be 21 years old trying to navigate just baseball at the highest level in general. And then you're thrown into the division race and basically trying to win every single night in order to catch the Mets. Uh, it was, you know, an, an admirable job by Vaughn to do what he did last year. And now that he's had an off season to really kind of sit back and, and reflect and then work with Ron Washington, it seems like that has already paid dividend. And again, I think everyone who has seen Vaughn over the years thinks that he's going to hit. Uh, so again, just, Play defense. You don't need to be, uh, you know, Ozzy Smith out there and make all the ridiculous plays. It'd be great if he did, uh, but if you can just be steady at shortstop, that's all the team is really wanting. Yep, I agree. I agree with all that. 
All right, Mr. Coleman. Well, I think that's it, buddy. That's all for our rundown. Tell people where they can find you. Yeah, this was a lot of fun, Stephen. Hope I did all right in my rookie debut, at least on this this podcast on the feed. Um, Scott Coleman, 55. Very much looking forward to March Madness the next couple of days. Uh, great event. Looking forward to it. Brad and I did about 20 minutes on the bracket a couple I nights know. ago. I, I freaking love that, man. I was so excited. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you, dude. I'm not going to lie. I went back and listened to it, but I, at the first time I listened to that episode, I fast forwarded to the March Madness version. I went back. <laughs> I went back and listened, but the first time I listened, I went straight for the March Madness stuff. We appreciate you. I'm guessing you probably weren't the only one. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Glad we were able to do it. But yeah, thanks to everybody for checking out the the podcast feed. Uh, be sure to subscribe. If you don't, tell your friends. If you know some Braves fans, tell them to listen. We really do appreciate all the support. And we'll, we'll be back this weekend. And I think Sean on the Daily Hammer will be back in a couple nights as well. So three really great shows, four once the minor league season gets going. So it should be a lot of great content here. And thanks again for having me, Stephen. Yep, we appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for jumping in short notice. Yeah, check out the site. We have content. 365 days a year, um, usually multiple shows per week. Obviously, the season starts in two weeks, but we have content all the way up. And then, of course, was in, when the season starts, it's just full go. So check out the site, check out the podcast network, and uh, we'll see you guys later.